Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There'd be no reason for us to be here uh, this morning, would there? We're going to be looking this morning in Ezra, uh, chapter number 7. Ezra, chapter number 7. And we're going to be looking at Ezra, a man dedicated to God's Word. And as we do this, we're going to kind of first start out and just look at where we came from over the past few weeks. Uh, uh, we started out looking in Ezra back several weeks ago, and, and during the midst of that, well, last week being uh, gone, I appreciate David Roper filling in and preaching for us, and uh, everybody just keep it on, keep it on, and, uh, but we're just kind of give a recap of where we've been, starting uh, at the beginning of Ezra, uh, chapter number one, you know, we see in Ezra, chapter number one, the people were, le- were released to come back from captivity, uh, from uh, Babylon, to go back to Jerusalem and to reestablish worship uh, there in Jerusalem. The temple had been destroyed. The, the walls of the city had been broken down. And they they were they went back. Uh, the Bible tells us there in Ezra 1.1, in the first year of Cyrus, uh, uh, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be filled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia. And he allowed them uh, to go back to Jerusalem. And as we see the first couple chapters, them arriving in Jerusalem and beginning the work uh, on the temple, rebuilding the temple so they could reestablish worship. You know, in chapter 3, we see that the the foundation of the temple was laid, and it was a great time of rejoicing there of everyone uh, in Jerusalem. That Verse 10 says, when the builders laid the foundation, the temple... of the temple of the Lord, we see the priests stood, the leaders stood, everyone got ready. The Bible says in verse 11, and they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the, uh, to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then the people shouted with a great shout, and they praised the Lord because the foundation of the, uh, the house of the Lord was laid. You know, we saw that there were some people that were weeping because they could remember what the old temple was before, and they realized that the temple there was not going to be as big and and marvelous as it was before, and others were just shouting because of what God was doing, and we see that uh, uh, that Ezra was, uh, we see that Haggai, that God told him that this temple, there was going to be something greater happen there than even in the old temple, because uh, Christ was going to be there. But as we continue on through the story, in verse 4, or chapter 4 of Ezra, trouble comes. And you know, anytime we start doing anything for God, trouble will show up. You know, we can just go ahead, can you go ahead and say amen right there? Right? I mean, isn't that right? Anytime you start doing anything for God, trouble's going to come. Here as we see trouble comes into their life, in chapter 4, you know, at first it says, but then when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard, they first came out and said, well, we want to be a part of this too. 
they, you know, they said, oh, we would worship God like, like the rest of you. And we realized from that that wasn't true. That they wanted to try to sidetrack them and get them to lose their focus on what they were really there for. They weren't really there to build a building. They were really there to establish worship of God. Worship of the true God. And from there, when they said, no, you can't have a part of this, the next thing they did is hire counselors and they sent a letter uh, to the king to try to to get uh, to get them stopped. And as we go on down in verse number, uh, they try to discourage them. Verse 24, it says, Thus the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, ceased, and it was discontinued in the, until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. For 14 years, they didn't do anything. They ceased work. It was the work stopped because of the pressure from outside? You know, if we really look, it wasn't because the pressure from outside didn't work stop. The work stopped because the people lost their focus on what they needed to do. You know, from there, we looked and we saw, uh, went to Haggai, and Haggai shows up on the scene. And he begins to preach, and he begins to call the people to repentance. You know, we see in Haggai, verse number uh, 3, it says, Why is it, in verse 4, why is it that you got all these nice houses and the house of God's laying in ruins? He said, Consider your ways. And he goes and he begins to tell them, and he says, You've so much, but, uh, but bring in little. You eat, but do not have. You drink, and you're never filled. You know, he goes on, he says, the reason God's not blessing what you're doing is because, look, you were supposed to show up here to rebuild the temple and reestablish worship to God. And you got so focused on the things of this world, all you care about is how nice, nice your house is and making a living for yourself and what you can do for yourself. And the Bible goes on and tells us in verse number 12, we saw the blessings of God who would follow his word. In uh, verse number 12, it says, Then Zerubbabel of Haggai chapter 1, verse 12, Zerubbabel and Joshua, uh, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of God. And we see that when Haggai preached, the people repented and they began to follow God. They began the work of rebuilding the temple. Last uh, week before last, on Sunday evening, we looked in Haggai chapter 5. And in uh, Haggai 5, the Bible says that in, or in Ezra 5, jumping back to Ezra, in Ezra 5, it says that the prophet Haggai, Zechariah, uh, prophets prophesied to the Jews who were at Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God. And it says, so Zerubbabel, verse 2, uh, and uh, Joshua, the son of uh, Jozadak, rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, were with them, helping them. So we see that in Ezra 5, they again begin to rebuild the temple. And as they start rebuilding the temple, what do you think is going to happen? Trouble comes. Just like we said before, 
when trouble, when you ever start doing anything for God, trouble will show up to try to get you to stop. And here we see, this time, the result was different. If we continue there in chapter 5, uh, they first, they come back, the, the ones from outside come and say, who told you to build this temple? And they said, you know, we're going to tell on you. But if we look on down in verse 5, the Bible says, but the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, so that they could not make them cease till a report could go to Darius. You know what the folks said at that time? We don't care what you're going to do. We don't care what trouble you're going to start. We're going to keep on working. You know the difference between the work stopping before and the work continuing till the temple got built this time? Was before, when they got a threat of trouble, they quit. You know, too many times that's what we do as Christians, don't we? Somebody says a little something about us, and what do we do? We get our feelings hurt and we quit. But you know what they did this time? They said, we're just going, God's upon us. He's given us this direction, and we quitting until somebody comes and makes us. Right? I don't care if you send a letter to the king. I'm going to keep on working. And when he comes and throws me in jail, then I'll quit. Right? You know, we may have that opportunity in America for too long. Right? I mean, can you say amen right there? Right? I mean, isn't that right? You know, as we continue, we see the people kept working. And verse number 11 through 16, they send a letter to the king. And they even, he says, go back and check the records. In verse 17 of chapter 5, we see the king says, yeah, I'm going to come back and check the records and see what's going on. In chapter 6, they get a response from the king. And God did a work in the life of the king there so that he come back in his letter. He first told them, the folk, other folks, he said, you leave them alone and let them keep building the temple. Not only did he say you leave them alone, he said, let the cost be paid for by the king. You know, can you imagine these folks are trying to get them to stop? And part of the reason they gave an excuse on why they wanted them to stop is they said they'll quit paying their taxes. The king said, leave them alone, let them do it, and go ahead and from the taxes you took in from everybody else, go ahead and pay for it. Go ahead and give them what they need. Go ahead and, and help with the work that to uh, to complete the, the temple. Even offer, give them the what they need to offer sacrifices. And so we see that the temple was completed there at the end of chapter 6. And as the temple, the verse 14, they completed the temple. And as you continue on in chapter 6, we see that they began to worship God. They held the first Passover. They held the, the first feast of unleavened bread. That, that and so we see that they reestablished worship of God. And in all this, Ezra actually has not even came on the scene. Right? You think, goodness, you've been talking for a long time. You ain't even started in the message. But you know what? Ezra, the first seven chapters, first six chapters of what he wrote, he had not even showed up yet. 
in chapter 7 is where Ezra shows up. As we look in chapter 7, after it's been several years that they've been there and supposed to be reestablishing the worship of God, when Ezra shows up, he did not find things the way that it should be. And we'll go into that a little bit deeper next week. But I just wonder if they would have really ever fully committed themselves to God. You know, this whole book may look different, right? I wonder what Ezra would ever wrote about itself, you know, in chapter 7 on. But in chapter 7, we see a few things about this man, Ezra. Some things, I, some characteristics, some things that I think we need in our life today. And we want to really just read chapter 7, verse 10. To start out with, we're going to preach from chapter 7, verse 10. We'll say a few introductory remarks of, on the first nine verses. But let's all stand together, if we will, in honor of God's word. And let's read Ezra chapter number 7 and verse number 10. The Bible says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Let's all pray. God, I just pray as we look in your word today, God. God, I pray you'd give us a heart like Ezra. God, with purpose in our heart, God. Lord, that we wouldn't study and know your word. God, we'd not only study and know your word, God, we'd do your word. God, our life would be an example of what you'd have us do. God, I pray, God, that we'd teach others your word. Lord, I just pray today, God, we'd hold your word in high regard. God, I pray for your unction to preach your word this morning. God, open our hearts so we can hear you speak. Lord, work in this place in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated. You know, as we look here in Ezra, in Ezra chapter 7, we first see that Ezra is introduced. Now, after these things, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, and he begins to share his lineage, or his, where he comes from. What was important about that? Well, Ezra was a priest, and he wanted to show, if you go all the way down into the end of chapter, uh, verse 5, he, he traces his lineage kind of roughly back to Aaron. He wanted to show that he was qualified to do the job that he's showing up to be, to show showing up to do. You know, a lot of people, because of the of the captivity, they may not have known who they were from. But Ezra could come back and show that he was a descendant of, of Aaron the priest, that he could be a priest. You know, in verse 6, it tells us that Ezra, he was a, a skilled scribe. On down in verse uh, 6, it said, And the hand of the Lord his God was uh, was upon him. You know, um, 
Daniel Mountain was talking this morning about some folks singing. You know, some people can sing good. Some people sing and you just know the hand of God from you. Right? You know what the Bible said about Ezra? That the hand of God was upon him. You know what? I'd a whole lot rather hear somebody sing that you knew the hand of God was on them than somebody that just sang good. Right? You, you say, well, I can't tell the difference. I mean, just come and sing after the church. Well, no. I mean, some folks say they make all sorts of albums and stuff. And it might be pretty music. But there's some folks when they stand up and sing, you know that you, I mean you just tell God's with you, right? You know, let's let's go a little further. But Ezra came and verse seven through nine gives a list of people he brought with him. And they're all coming back to Jerusalem, really to help in the worship of God. And when they show up, they're going to find that things aren't turning out exactly the way they thought they were going to be. But we really want to just focus on verse 10 today about Ezra preparing his heart. Let's look at verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. You know, the first thing I'd like for us to look at today is Ezra prepared his heart, and we can see Ezra's discipline. <coughs> Ezra's discipline. You know, that word there, he prepared his heart, From the Hebrew, means to be firm, to be stable, to be established, you know, uh, to be prepared, to be settled. You know, we're even told by Paul, we don't need to be wind, just, just blowing in the wind. We need to be established. You know, there's some things in our heart we just need to be established on. We just know true, and we know right, and we, we are on solid foundation. You know, that's where it was with Ezra. It didn't matter what anybody else said. There were some things he just knew true, and he was going to stand on it no matter what. You know, there's some things. I, I just tell you what, there's some things in my life that I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I've settled it in my heart. And I'm established perfectly. Don't matter what anybody else figures out. You know what I have established? I've established that Jesus is God's Son. And He's the only way to hell. Right? You know, it don't matter what. What he might, you know, one thing I, even this past week, somebody was trying to talk to me and trying to explain some things about the, I don't know, you know, people talk about old earth, new earth, you know, creation lasted for thousands of years. You know what, in my life, I don't care what you say, I don't care what, I believe 
that God created the heaven and earth in six days. I, I just believe that. And I, I'm firm on that. You know, say, well, this, that, I don't care what you have to say. I've already established. I, I mean, that, I'm just firm on that. You know, I'm, I'm convinced. And this is God's word. Right? And this is God's word. Right? Hmm? The Bible is God's word. I'm convinced. There's just something, you know, in Ezra, in his heart, he said he was committed. He was established. It was not, he, was, he wasn't wavering on it. He already, he was prepared. He had, he was established. He was convinced. <clears throat> but he, the Bible says he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. You know what his discipline was? His discipline was he was going to study and seek the law of God. You know what that means to us today? We need to be seeking and studying and knowing what the Bible says. Can you say amen right there? Amen. And somebody may say, David, why do you talk so much to us about reading the Bible and studying the Bible and knowing the Bible and memorizing the Bible? You know why? Because it will change your life. You know another reason I do that? I heard uh, an old preacher back a number of years ago, Hank uh, Tavner, he said one way you can pre preach against sin and really never get a reaction from anybody is to preach against sin that the congregation isn't committing. And you know, it's easy to preach. You know, it'd be, it'd be easy to get up and preach against abortion and everybody holler, amen, amen, shout, shout run out. You say, why don't you ever preach against that? You know what? Because I don't think that's our problem. It'd be easy to preach against homosexuality and people run the aisles and shout and pray. Yeah, that's what. But you know what? I don't think that's the sin we're dealing with right now. You know what I think the sin is in our congregation and at Hemptown Baptist Church? We don't read our Bibles. Can we go ahead and say amen or old me right there? Right? And you say, why do you think that? First off, from talking to some of y'all, right? And the other reason is because I think it's a sin across all America. We don't. We're, we live in an age where biblical knowledge is more available than any other time in history, and we are more ignorant of the Bible than any other time in history. We're not established and firm on what the Bible teaches. You say, "Well, how do you know that? Why do we say so many foolish things and follow against so many things?" that are totally against God's word. It's because we don't know what it says. Right? You know what we need to be doing? We need to be like Ezra. We need to be studying the Bible. We need to be understanding what the Bible says. And you say, but there's so much in there. That's right. You'll never learn it all. But just because you won't learn it all doesn't mean you don't need to start. Study, right? You'll never eat all the food in this world, but you'll probably eat lunch today, right? I mean, isn't that right? Huh? Well, I can never eat it all, so I just ain't going to eat no more. Why don't you try that? Right? <laughs> go, go for that. Go for it, you know. You know, for, uh, for Ezra, he was seeking 
the law of the Lord. That word seeking from the Hebrew, seek with care, inquire. It has to do with being frequent in prayer and worship to investigate, to practice, to study, to follow, to seek with application. You know, that's another thing that's important for us today. It's more than just to read what the Bible said. We need to know what it means to us today. And you know, God will reveal that for you if you'll spend time seeking and looking to, to allow oneself to be inquired of. You know, when you really know something about Scripture, and actually, just this past week, reading about Solomon, it talked about Solomon's wisdom. And as the Bible talked about Solomon's wisdom, it said that people from all over the world come to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And the Bible tells us in Chronicles, there was nothing that Solomon could not explain. You know, there was, uh, back a number of years ago, I was working uh, at Sean and Plant in Dalton. And there was, uh, we were using spectroscopy to uh, analyze dieback. If you want to know more about it, I'll take that later. <laughs> but there was one fella that, as I was there and late at night on our third shift, and we were doing this, and I was talking to this guy about what was happening. And I said, well, let me tell you exactly what we're doing. And I explained it to him. This, this is how we're doing it. This is what we're doing. And he said, oh, well, I understand that. That's not so bad. And I said, no, it's not so bad. You know? And he said, well, when I asked this other fellow, he would just always say, oh, it's too complicated. You won't understand. You know what I realized the deal was? It was because he didn't understand. He didn't know how to explain it. Right? Right? You know, for us, when we really know what the Bible says, is when we can explain it to somebody else. Right? When we can begin teaching someone else and showing it to someone else, that's where Ezra was. He was spending his whole life getting ready to where he had a grasp of what the Bible said. And you don't have to wait till you know everything, but you need to make sure you got a grasp of something. You need to be working on it. You know, this this week, I want to challenge you. You know, for us, we need first off, read your Bible. Study your Bible. <coughs> know what it means. Spend time memorizing your Bible. And make it your own. Make it part of your life. And this is what I want to challenge you. This past week, there's some things happened. Like, uh, last Saturday, being down in New Orleans or in St. Rose, there was a couple guys that Brandon had challenged them to memorize a, a portion of Scripture. And they videoed themselves quoting the verses, and they texted him the verses. And I started thinking, you know, that wasn't a bad idea. Used to, and there's several people asking, used to, one thing we'd do in the service every, every week, it would have the time that we'd say, who's memorized the verse of Scripture this past week? Right? 
people would stand up and give their verses of scripture. And I started thinking, you know, it was always, well, who's got one? And you know, you know what I want to do? I want to challenge you this week to memorize Ezra 17, the verse we're preaching from. And you say, why? Well, first off, if you spend time memorizing it, it may help you remember by next Sunday what it was we preached about this week, right? <laughs> but the other thing, that's not the end of the challenge. You know what I want to challenge you to do? Is I want to challenge you to memorize the verse and videotape yourself. And it ain't really videotaping. I know that because you do it on your phone. There ain't no such thing as tape anymore. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> right? I mean, huh? Yeah, record yourself. But on my phone, it still says video out there. Ain't gonna make video. But anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Huh? Video yourself. Memorize that verse. I want to challenge you to post it to your Facebook. And, yeah, or Instagram, or whatever else that you tweeter, or Twitter, right? <laughs> Tweet it out. Whatever else you do with it, right? And let me tell you why is this. If you do it on Facebook, tag Jerry in it. If you say, I don't have the Facebook, that's okay. Video it and text it to Jerry. He's going to give you his number at the end of the thing. And next week, at the start of the service, we're going to show several videos of people. You know, one thing is this. A lot of people post scripture on Facebook. There's probably not, I don't know of anything better to post on Facebook than scripture, y'all. I mean, I, I don't know of anything else. But it's easy just to use one of them little apps and, and half-read it and hit post or share on, or, you know, somebody else has posted it and just hit share. That's easy, right? How much greater of an impact would it have somebody, oh, here's a video of John. And click it up, John saying, Ezra 17. And he starts flinging it out there. Right? Don't you think, what if, what if there's a dozen or 15 or 20 folks from Hemptown Baptist puts videos on the Facebook of memorizing scripture? They'll be, you know what folks will think? Well, they're crazy. You know what? If you're a Christian, you are. Right? They're peculiar. Isn't that what the Bible tells us in Peter? We're a peculiar people. But I want to challenge you. You know, because what will help us when you memorize something, you really start getting it, right? And I must admit, things I memorized a few years ago don't stick with me like they did when I was a kid. We think it's great. Oh, one, because kids memorize verses. You know what we need to be doing? We need to be memorizing verses. Adults, children, everyone, we need to be memorizing verses. Let's keep going. We're, we're, we ain't made it through the first part of the verse yet. For Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. You know, we see Ezra's discipline, but not only we see Ezra's discipline, the next thing we see is Ezra's duty. He prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. He prepared his heart to know what God's law said, but then it said, and to do it. You know, it's more, it's not enough just to know what the Bible says. You know what we need to do? Do it. 
We need to do it. So many of us, if we just do what we knew of the Bible, if folks that claim to be Christians would do what they knew of the Bible, it changed it changed the world. It would change this county, change this country if we just do it. You know, it amazes me. As I was reading through the Kings and Chronicles this past week, so many times God promised several kings, and if you'll just truth stay true to me, you'll always rule. You know what they do? They go away from God. And I keep in my mind thinking, Levi, you know, if God told Solomon, you'll always have someone on the throne. If you'll stay true to me, why did he go after all them foreign women and start sacrificing all those foreign gods? And the kingdom was ripped apart then. Why did he do it? You know then what I think? As I was driving up the road yesterday by myself, and I'm thinking, why did that nut? And God said, uh, David. <laughs> you know, I told you some things in my word that you ain't doing. And you know what I have to say? Oh, me. Right? <clears throat> you need to be doing it. You know, for us, we just need to do what God's word says. We need to spend time learning and studying what God's Word says. But after we learn it, we just need to do it. You know, there's so many things through Scripture. If we just did, our world would be totally different. Driving down the road this past week, I saw a big billboard. It said, Christians love their enemies. Gave another one eight hundred for truth or whatever. <clears throat> you know what I thought about that? I don't even like that. You know what I had to say about that? Oh me. Because you know what Jesus said? Love your enemies. Some things he said, I don't like. Right? Because for me, I've got to be mad at my like that old country song, I'll get over it eventually, but I'm going to be mad at you right now. That ain't the way it happened. That was a joke. Some of y'all ain't as sanctified as you think. Y'all listen. Right? Right? And then don't worry, just ask somebody later. They'll tell you what the song really says and what it, you know, who was singing, all that stuff. You know, but anyway. But for us, we just need to be doing God's word. We need to be doing what we're taught. What we know, God, there's a reason why he gave it to us. He wants it to change the way we live. Let's go on further. We saw Ezra's discipline. We see Ezra's duty. But the last part in this verse, we can see Ezra's disciple-making. 
He said, that I was I wanted to know what God's word says. I wanted to do what God's word says. And he says, and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. You know what's the what Ezra's desire was? His desire was to know God's word, to do God's word, and then teach somebody else. You know what? That should be our desire. If we knew everything about God and never told you about it, what an awful thing. You know, as, as you read through there in the Kings and Chronicles, you see kings that try to start following God and then their son will come on behind you go totally against God. And you think, goodness, how did they miss it like that? Hezekiah followed out the God. Son, Manasseh, one of the worst kings in Israel. Ammon, his son, worse than him. Someone having children and grandchildren. Goodness, it would break my heart. Kill me. Thank God I'm trying to live for you. If my grandchildren were totally going against you. And so many people experience that. You know, for us, we need to be. We need to be teaching the next generation. We need to be teaching those around us. And so many times for us, I'm afraid we think, well, teaching is teaching by saying, well, being a Sunday school teacher or a Mormon leader or something. You know what teaching is? In your daily life, you always need to be teaching. There's been people giving you a hard time about that. Some little something, being with somebody, some little something come up. And they just say, well, let me share, you know, let me just tell you what this is like. Let me tell you. There's a book written by Coleman. Can't remember the first name, but you know, when you talk to in our daily life, we need to bring people on the side of us. Hey, Levi, why don't, go, why don't you go into the grocery store? He said, well, that's not teaching. You know what? We're living the Christian life. We should. You know, seeing the way we talk to other people. The way we interact with people. How about going with you to visit the nursing home? How about going with me to do this? You know what? We need, to, we need to have people that we, in our daily life, we're teaching them. You know, for us, we need to first know what God's Word says. We need to start doing it. Then if, you, if you're somebody that knows what God's Word says and you're doing what God's Word says, why would you not want somebody alongside you? You know what Jesus did? 
He had 12 folks that hung around with him for about three years. He had three folks that no matter what he was doing, he said, y'all come on, go with me. And he would show them no matter what was happening in his life, he was teaching them. You know the only problem with that is it takes time, doesn't it? There's been, there's a lot of times in my life I've went to youth camp before. A lot of times I went to youth camp. But youth camp, getting ready to pack everything up. Some kids don't know how to go up to sleep in that. A lot of times I just want to say, get out of the way, look at this business, you know what's going to help them. But you have to take the time to show them what's in it. You know, our life's more than teaching somebody how to roll up the stove and die. As young people enter this place, they need to be learning how to worship God by watching us worship God. You say, well, I've been sat here, sold up, ready to him to hush. You know what? That's why most kids in America they don't know what it is to worship God. Why most kids don't know that they need to spend time reading the Bible. They've never taught their mom and dad. Why most people don't have a have a desire to always be in God's house because they you see those around them never show up to God's house. Ezra, when he left to come to Israel, he didn't know what he was going to face. He had already established in his heart, God, I'm going to know everything about you that I can. God, I'm going to do everything you told me. God, I'm going to teach somebody to share with me what you said. You know, I'm wondering our life. Where we're at in our life. First off, we spend daily time reading God's Word. We spend time studying God's Word. We spend time memorizing God's Word. Are we like Ezra that we can say, He's prepared, that we're preparing our heart to seek the law of the Lord? And if we do, are we doing it? Are we living our life the way the Bible is teaching us to live? And you say, yes, I am learning, I'm doing, then are you teaching someone else? Are you spending time showing others what it means to be a Christian? Let me say this too. Don't wait till you think you've arrived before you start trying to share with somebody else. You say, what if I have somebody with me and I blow up and mess up? When the Holy Spirit convicts you and you realize you blow up and messed up, you need to ask forgiveness for God, ask forgiveness from that person. Say, I'm sorry, I, I was wrong. 
Because when it comes to being a Christian, it doesn't mean we're perfect. We're just people that's willing to admit our sin and ask forgiveness. Right? Bring that in your life. We're going to have a time of invitation. We're going to have a time of, of prayer. You know, as we, as we pray, and then we'll have a song. Maybe this morning you just want to come and pray and commit to God. God, I want to spend time. Spend time in your word. God, I want to know everything about you. Can. Maybe you need to come and pray and say, God, I'm, I know a whole lot more about you than what I'm doing. God, I want to make a commitment to start living the way I should. Others may want to come and pray and say, God, I'm trying to live for you. Trying to say the word, God, give me someone in my life that I can teach. Someone in my life that I can demonstrate your word through my life. Let's pray. God, I just pray Lord, that you would work in this place today. I pray that today we would make a commitment to God to know your word, study your word. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.